Financial Studies. Brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Oh, it's time for some social studies as we head off to the holiday weekend. <laughs> Calm down back there, Sarah. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so ready. Oh, I am too. Especially when we hit the 9 o'clock hour. That's when it really starts to feel real for me. Yep. All right, so what do you got for us today? <laughs> Let's go. All right, we're on Twitter, at Bickley underscore Murata. Go ahead and follow us there, and that's where you can participate in social studies every single day. Uh, let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. We were just talking with Greg Amon, who covers the Bucks and the NFC South for Fox Sports, and he was sharing from Tampa Bay's perspective how he thinks uh, Sunday will go at State Farm Stadium. So, as we always do in the lead-up to a Cardinals game, we are asking the Cards will win Sunday's game if... <laughs> It's looking more and more bleak by the week. I'll keep it football related. I will fight the urge to be sarcastic. You can do both. If they get one or if they get more than one non-offensive touchdown. Okay. Finding the more uncommon ways to score. Yes. Because I don't think Tampa Bay is equipped offensively with the way they've struggled all year, even against the Cardinals defense. I don't think they're equipped to come in here and put up 45 points. I think it's still going to be a relatively low-scoring game. So Cardinals can get a boost from special teams or defense. It greatly enhances their Yeah, chances. that's um, I, I think they can win if they, if they get a multi-turnover game from Tom Brady like he put on the field last week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you fought the urge to be sarcastic, Vince. Our tweeters did not. did not. They absolutely did not. Uh, Mr. Arizona says there simply is not an answer in my mind outside of the Buccaneers simply giving up, which I don't think they will. They've got playoff implications still. Soggy Sack Jones. Hello, Soggy Sack. He says <laughs> the Cardinals will win, but it won't be for any reason other than to take away any joy of Cardinals fans getting a top five pick. So he's saying it's it's they are going to win, but at Cardinals their, fans are not going to be happy at about their it. own detriment. Exactly at okay. their own detriment. That, that's that's kind of par for the course. That this also year. would make sense. Absolutely, the Cardinals will beat the Buccaneers on Sunday if they bring Giselle and Pete Davidson to the sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> Says AZ Kid oh six two eight. Ouch. Brett, Ouch. Brett Kleinman says the Cardinals will win if the Bucks spend most of Christmas Eve out in Old Town Scottsdale. Entirely possible. Um, Jason thinks that the Cardinals will need the help of three ghosts, past, present, and future. <laughs> and then finally, uh, the Cardinals will, will, will win if they contract the Phoenix Lights of 1997 to come abduct Tom Brady before the game. <laughs> So we're feeling pretty confident. We're feeling good. So you're telling me there's a chance. (laughs) All right, let's get to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, During today's Rush Hour reboot, every day at 7.30, we played a cut of Charles Barkley on the Suns postgame show after the Suns-Wizards game, saying that Phoenix is not even close to being a title contender right now. You both thought that was maybe a little too strong of a statement, at least at this point in the season. I I, I don't know if I do. I I think he's accurate. I think it just sounds harsh at the moment. Oh, it definitely sounds harsh, yes. Okay, so then based on today's roster, and we're going to assume that everybody is healthy, today's roster, how far would this Suns team get in the playoffs? First round? 
Conference semis, conference finals, NBA finals. I think they get to the conference semis with this roster. Assuming everybody else is healthy, too? Yes. Sure. Conference semis. Yep. Unless Devin Booker just goes just bananas, bananas for yeah. a series right. or two. Okay. 45% of our voters also say conference semis is the cap for this current iteration of the Phoenix Suns. 35% voted for the first round. 12% said they could still reach the conference finals. 8% said they could get to the NBA finals with this current roster. That's wishful thinking. I don't believe you. Yes. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't. <laughs> Jay Hu said the sky's falling for a lot of Suns fans right now, but the entire Western Conference doesn't look all that impressive, so that does open a pathway to the conference finals. We are also underestimating Cam Johnson's impact when he returns. The Suns do still need help though. I think all those things are true. Quinn Wagner says Devin Booker would get them out of the first round, but I just don't think he alone would be enough to beat the Mavericks or the Pelicans. That's the thing, too, with the way this is bunched up, and, you know, there's a lot of basketball left to be played, but first round could be against the Mavericks or Pelicans. Yeah, it's that is true. Maybe like two weeks ago, I'd have been like, oh, the Pelicans, you won't see them until the Western Conference yeah. Finals. But that's actually not really a guarantee. And even if you're at the top, if you're if you're playing a, a seven or eight seed, those teams are going to be, this is a different, it's a different time in the NBA right now. Yes, certainly in the West. The East is looking a little more predictable, yeah. the top yeah, two teams. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, let's, uh, I, I put on my Jarrett Carlin hat for this one. We're going holiday poems or verses. Oh. Write a holiday poem or verse for your favorite Arizona sports team. Let's go to the let's go to the listeners Straight first on that. Let's go it. to the videotape. Absolutely. <laughs> first response. Uh, I'm guessing Jarrett is yeah, back. Yeah. <laughs> Sons fella called me out on that one. That's but that's okay. That's okay. Ken AZ says their uniforms are red. The team is black and blue. They will win Sunday. Oh, that's not true. Um, this one is from AZ Beer Dad. Jingle bells, Tucson smells, devils laid an egg. The Phoenix Suns had a run, but like the cards, they are done. All right. That's the only time I'll ever say Tucson smells on this station. <laughs> All right, Alex is... Why, you don't like dealing in truth, sir? I love Tucson. <laughs> it is underrated and it is beautiful. Alex says... <laughs> What? Have you never driven through Saguaro National Park? It's stunning. No. Cliff, <laughs> I really can't stay. Fans, baby, pack your stuff. I gotta go away. Baby, pack your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> My screens have been behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> you want to go cut another song after no, the show? No, I think, I I'll think sing, I'm all set. I'll sing the male part. I think, oh, I bet you would actually sound good, though. You've got some pipes, for sure. The Cardinals right now are frightful. But the suns are so delightful, <laughs> says Brig. And, you know, no, I'm going to skip that last one. It's too mean. Okay, final question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to point out which one it is so I, I can gonna... read it during the break. I don't like calling people bums. That doesn't sit right with me. Uh, and little drummer boy, you know, ba-dum-ba-bum-bum. Oh, right. Donald McDuffie is calling Cliff Kingsbury a bum over and over again. Uh, and that song. I don't like it. I'm moving on. <laughs> 
last question. Editing on the fly. Indeed. Dan Bickley, you posted a great photo that just really makes me smile last night of you, of you, Vince Morata, and of Dave Burns, of Burns and Gambo. Uh, So I asked our listeners to name this album. Okay. I have a name. Ooh, let's hear it. Do you? Mecca for Infidels. Oh, I like it. I like it. From a Bickley Blast. Ferret chimed in from Mexico. Did he? Oh yep. my gosh, I didn't see it. Just a few minutes ago. He did. Let me read. Was it shrimp and he octopus pizza? All, you, me- you remember uh, Stevie Wonder's great album, Songs in the Key of Life? Yes. Yeah. He named our album Songs in the Key of Midlife. Oh, <laughs> no! Go eat some octopus, Ferret! <laughs> Go shave those hairy toes. <laughs> Go get your money's worth, Ferret. Okay, well, on the midlife theme, <laughs> Rachel H. would name it the Gray Album. <laughs> fair. It's fair. Uh-huh. Toria is a complete mess. Calls it Bick in the movie quotes. 100%. You and Dave Burns are two of the better That's equipped true. movie quoters out there. Richard Lopez calls it whiskey slower after a few drinks. <laughs> uh-huh. Three men and a bar. Hard rock and radio jocks. I actually really like that one from Anthony. Uh, live at the watering hole from Oscar Chip. I like it. Hide your mom's volume one. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. That's from Mike. That's excellent. Uh, just a couple more. We have Hanson, the comeback. That made me laugh. The No Rhythmics. <laughs> Dude, Where's My Happiness? And Middle Rage. Oh. Middle Rage. Oh, that's good. That's good. Heavy yeah. middle. <laughs> yes. Well done. Tremendous. Our listeners that was always good. come through. Always come through. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Thanks everybody Sarah. who chimed in on a silly edition. Of uh, social studies. Coming oh, up next, we'll, uh, we've been off the rails. We have been. We stay uh, off the We rest. will talk some more Suns basketball. Kellen Olson, our Suns insider for Arizona Sports, <laughs> joins us next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And the Memphis Grizzlies, after a disappointing loss to the Washington Wizards the other night, here to talk some Suns basketball with us as we head toward the Christmas holiday. Our insider from Arizona Sports, Kellen Olson. It's been a while since you've been in studio with us. Kellen, how it, are you, man? It's great to see your lovely faces. Hello. Now, do you really mean that? Of course. Oh, good. Love awesome. you guys. Come on. All right, let's jump right into it. The weirdness at the end of that Wizards game with Monty and DA, it, a lot of people are just writing it off, heat of the moment kind of stuff. But after what went down in Game 7, it, it seems to me that maybe this is sort of more. How are we to interpret it? To me, it was more of a Mikel and DeAndre thing than a DeAndre ah. and, and Monty thing. Uh, Mikel and DeAndre were, I, I mean, to put it for what it was, they were kind of bickering at each other during those free throws, and then you kind of watch the last position back, where to me, just trying to interpret what happened, DA, a, a jokester as ever, referred to a couple of times where he messed up on a play in his post-game presser, and then Dwayne and I asked him after he was done, he was like, what, what play was that? And he was like, 
you guys watched the game. You guys can judge it for yourself. I thought you guys were the experts, man. Come on. So we went back and watched, and I think that's that was when it happened, when he messed up a screen for Mikel, and I think Mikel was someone I saw in the first half showing frustration already, not towards DA specifically, but their team defense and, and his own defense. He told me after the game that he was frustrated with himself, but uh, Mikel has called DeAndre his best friend a couple of different yep. times. They're super-duper right. close, and look, I, I'm not saying that friends don't bicker like that from time to time, but just to see Mikel of all people, who is like the most cheerful guy you'll ever be around, everyone gets to know that a lot more the last couple of years when he's shown a lot more of his charisma and his personality, but for him to kind of just like snap there, I, I think it was just kind of indicative of the spot the team is in specifically, but I mean, it can also kind of speak to some of the frustration with DeAndre at the moment right now, because he was pointing at the other end, talking about the screen, and then they were still talking, walking to that huddle, and then they get back to the huddle, and it's still kind of going a bit, and you saw Monty point at both of them, and I think he was basically saying like to DeAndre, like, I'm not just showing to you, like, you both need to stop this, like, just bickering on the court, and that's what it was, but of course, Monty, DeAndre, it, right. it, that right. whole thing, yeah. which is why it's so bad when they say things, and the, the Game 7 thing happens, and then DA says, we haven't talked, and so this kind of thing can be blown out of proportion, which I think is what's happening right now, but still, on the inverse of that, Mikel and DeAndre kind of having that kind of spat on the court together, it, it doesn't, it's not a good thing. You can sit here and say it happens. It, it does. It happens, of course. It happens in, I mean, we saw it happen with the Cardinal season. That's not the best example to give right now well, to make everyone right. feel no, better right. about yeah. it. It happens. Yeah. It happens, and of look, course. Patch but, that up. Oh, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, when it happens, it's never a, a good thing. No. You can't act like it's a good thing. And I hate the timing of it specifically for DeAndre Ayton. Because exactly. He was he great. Played, he played a great game. He was the reason they were, they were going to win that game. Absolutely. Until they, they weren't. Absolutely. Win that game. Um, so the timing of it's weird. But let's talk a little bit about Mikel Bridges, who I think has been, uh, he's shown an ability to, to pick up the offense, but it's still, in his fifth year, such an inconsistent part of his game. Sometimes he can't miss. We saw the game in Houston where he just had a historically bad night. He wasn't especially good offensively against Washington. Uh, what are you seeing uh, you know, on the whole game of, of Mikel Bridges, offensively and defensively this year? I think offensively, it's, it's an adjustment for him to really start to become a focal point of the offense. I think we saw that in that game. There was quite a lot run for him in a lot of situations where it's like a side pick and roll and it's just him running the entire action and that's something that he's got to get used to this year and it's something that the Suns quite honestly should have started doing more with him in the last year or two but it's great that they're doing it now and it's an adjustment for him to be a guy where like we can't have you scoring four points seven points in any of these games like he needs to be a guy in double digits nearly every single game because I'm not even saying that just in terms of how efficient he is as a player but I mean Danny think about him in fast breaks on back cuts on offensive rebounds like he gets like a couple the same way we talk about DeAndre and it's like Mm -hmm. he gets like six to eight free points a game, essentially. So it's just the other couple you get in there, and then you're in double digits every single night. And I think we hear Charles Barkley kind of make that point all the time. Shaq talks about it with like guys averaging 20 and 20 and how they shoot. It's like, you should have five rebounds a quarter every time, no matter what, when you're no that doubt. big. And Mikel's the same kind of way, where he just puts himself in so many good positions that he should be a 15, 18 point per game score that he is right now. But I think he could even average 20. Defensively, to be honest, I think he's dropped off a I little too. bit. And I think that that's part of the frustration that he showed. He told me like that, that frustration started with himself because he was at blame for some of those. I think when Bradley Beal 
really got going in that fourth quarter. He was getting stuck on screens, and that's been something that's been a problem for him in the past. But this was a guy who, in my opinion, was Defensive Player of the Year last year. I don't think he's an under consideration for the award right now. Is he well. still an all-defense member? Yeah, for sure, but there's just a slight drop-off there, and that's the kind of stuff that matters right now. They have not been a good defensive team for the last six weeks, and I've written about that a couple of times after some of these losses, where if you're this team trying to figure out your new identity offensively with Chris Paul in this current role, that's fine, well, and good when you're a great defensive team, Dan, but when you're not, you're going to lose some basketball games, and we're seeing that right now. Yeah. Um, when you take a look at this roster, it's interesting to me because I've been wondering aloud if there's um, if there's any holds or anything preventing the Suns from making moves during the course of the sale. I heard Gamble yesterday refute that and say that wasn't the case. James Jones kind of, kind of agreed with that, although I had a hard time interpreting his answer on this. What do you know about that, and, and how urgent do you think it is to get some reinforcements in here soon? You, you guys will remember Cam Johnson alluded to it. He said it's very, he described it as interesting to go through contract negotiations, especially when the ownership situation is what it is. So, I mean, one of their players straight up referred to it. So I think that's kind of your answer right there, how it has affected a little bit of something. We just don't know to the degree that it has, and that's kind of the interesting thing here is the timing. I think, Vince, you were mentioning the Jazz timeline was six weeks mm-hmm. in terms of that, so you, yeah. you do the math here with the trade deadline, like you're almost there. Do they have to wait until they get the owner in before they can pull the trigger on some trades? As far as right now, I, I, I'm not really... I think they just need to get healthy right now, but they need to make at least one move, and I think honestly two, at, at least two by the trade deadline, of course, because that's the deadline. I, I just think that they still have a chance to be contender, but they need to fix some of these problems we've been talking about for the last two years, and it feels like it can't just be these incremental moves. I think we need to see one that moves the needle. Kyle Kuzma, someone we talked about a lot, like that's the start, right, in terms of just fixing the offense, giving some injection really off the bench that they've quite honestly been lacking. You saw Landry Shaman have that huge 31-point game with nine threes, and they've needed way more out of that out of him specifically. Campaign is someone they really miss right now for that specific reason, but even with that in mind, there are just some roster holes that they have right now that they need to patch up, and that's that's the great question right now. But they have all the picks, they have all these tradable. You you got you sign guys partially to mid uh, mid level contracts because they're easier to move, and they have three of them right now sitting there that that they can move. Let's say uh, you know, James Jones has not really moved the needle the last two seasons at the deadline with, with anything substantial. It's been two trades for Tory Craig, basically. Um, we the Jay Crowder pieces out there. I think we would expect him to be moved, but maybe for one of those you know not so earth shattering moves. If the Suns are going into the playoffs with largely the same roster as what they have right now, we just we just had this discussion. What do you think the ceiling is for them in the playoffs right now, or without a move, or without without a substantial earth shattering move? Uh, second round. Yeah, that's exactly I, what we that's said. Just say, and that's like more of a compliment to just what the West is right I now. Agree. We're about to see this Memphis team in town, which is not even going to have Desmond Bain, who through 12 games, by the way, averaging 25 points per game. Wow. Right now, he has really exploded. But Jaron Jackson Jr. is playing at a defensive player of the year level right now. We all know John Morant, the player that he is. So you look at Memphis, you're going to get Denver here in a couple of days, who's at the top of the West right now. We've seen New Orleans already and what they're capable of. I didn't even talk about the Warriors and the Clippers yet. Like, and we've got Dallas with Luka on on the, on the radar as well. It's just a gauntlet out there, and, and I just don't think that they're equipped right now, and the biggest thing that I continue to be worried about is just the, the toll that it takes on Devin Booker over the course of the season yes. to kind of carry the offense yes. right now. Yeah. We've seen that already pop up with yes. two different injuries, which is even more concerning. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry, real quickly, Chris Paul, you know, we talked about load management with him, and, and he made it very clear he, he's not that cat, he doesn't like it, but he played the second of a back-to-back and did not look very good. What are your thoughts on, on that 
that issue going forward? I just don't like it. We, we, you've seen, so when you watch like LeBron or Giannis, right? Uh, us as sports fans have seen them play long enough. When we watch LeBron at the start of a first quarter, like, ooh, it's one of those nights, like LeBron's got it going, right? right? Like, we know what that looks like for these guys who we've seen play for 15, 17 years at this point, or even some of the newer guys like Jaw, for example, or Zion or Luca. Chris, we know what it looks like when he's right. And you just watch some of his moves, like his step back specifically, something I watch where it just doesn't look comfortable right. for him right now. And I, I thought that he started to look the most comfortable he has in the last week or so, but then you see him on the second game of back-to-back, and it was back to what we sort of have seen in the past. Uh, he's going to keep playing. I, I don't know like what else to say. And I can say, yeah. hey, hey, maybe he should take yeah. a game or two off, but guess what? He's it doesn't matter gonna. what I say, no. and this is an irrelevant conversation because he's right. not going to. Now, is it the best idea? Uh, probably not, uh, especially when you factor in next year and the year after and how you want to kind of keep him in the fold, but uh, yeah, it's, he's going to play. He's yeah. going to play. Gallon, great stuff as always. Thank, Thank you for uh, stopping in, talking with us. Yeah, Thanks, guys. Kellen Olson, check out his stuff uh, online at ArizonaSports.com. He's got the podcast, Empire of the Suns, with uh, Kevin Zimmerman. Follow him on Twitter. All that good stuff. Uh, Best Suns information that's out there. Coming up next, it is Thursday. We've got a round of Mock My World. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Time to take a look at the Arizona Sports poll question. Brought to you by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Welcome back to the show. Final half hour of Bickley and Murata mornings. Until next week, we are off tomorrow. So we're going to our website, ArizonaSports.com. For today's poll question, guys, who was the biggest Pro Bowl snub for the Cardinals? J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, Zach Allen, or other? J.J. Watt. I'm going to go with Zach Allen. Ooh. Yeah. Baby Watt? <laughs> Isn't that what they call him, right? Baby Watt. Uh, okay, so... Kilowatt. Megawatt. 1.21 gigawatts. What's up? <laughs> What's up? What's up? Oh, boy. Slick Watts. Oh, that, that's old school. <laughs> yeah. So why Zach Allen and not J.J. Watt? I just think it was more of a breakout season for Zach Allen. J.J. Watt was very good, but did it, you know? We've seen what Pro Bowl level J.J. Watt looks like. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure that was it. He's been very good. I'm not, and I'm not saying he hasn't been. Sure, sure. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know if there anybody really was a quote unquote snub, but that that's was the, fair. that was a question. That's that's very. I fair. think in terms of leadership, in terms of that monster game. I mean, monster game he just had, getting his heart shocked back into rhythm, going and drinking with Cardinal fans at a dive bar oh, in Scottsdale. So good. Hanging out with Clue Haywood. It's got to be J.J. Watt. Yeah, for that I don't alone. know if the voters considered that. Uh, <laughs> right. All right, 50% of our voters are on board with J.J. Watt as the Cardinals' biggest Pro Bowl snub. 29% voted for Zach Allen. 14% voted for DeAndre Hopkins. 7% said other. Oh. I don't know who that other would be, though. Interesting. Yeah. We'll never know. We'll never. Thank I you, guess Sarah. we'll never know. That's today's Sanderson Ford poll question. You can vote right now on the homepage at ArizonaSports.com. Bickley and Murata. Mock my world. Are you mocking me? Are you mocking me? Stop it, you just didn't do it again. Are you mocking me? Oh, Mock My World is back. Our defending champion is not here. Last week we attempted to scratch the itch on Mock My World with the best people with names ending in itch. Itch, please. Oh! And Jarrett Carlin. 
with 41.4% of the vote. Novak Djokovic, John Malkovich, Pete Maravich, and Rudy Tomjanovich. Uh, one going away. I finished second with 24%. Bick, you were third, 18.4%. Uh, Sarah, 15.8%. I just, pe- people didn't get on board with Shostakovich. Get some culture really in your life. Get some culture oh in your my life. Gosh. You need culture in your life somewhere other than your showered curtain. <laughs> <laughs> your yogurt. Right. This week, uh, we got Lauren. Hey! Making her Mock My World debut, hey! correct, Lauren? Lauren! Are, are you nervous? Very. I didn't know I was filling the spot of the reigning champion. <laughs> Nobody told me. Well, now you know. Uh, and you will have the first pick yes, you in will. our uh, subject today, Christmas Villains. Mostly in film and TV. Mm-hmm. I, Christmas villains. I just left it open. Okay. Christmas villains. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lauren will have the first pick. Sarah will go second. Bick, your third. I will go fourth. Four round snake style draft, which means, yeah, it's gonna get uh, it's gonna get tough here in the fourth round. I it think. Sure is. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, what say you? What's your first pick? All right, I'm gonna open this up with a song to begin. So with my first pick, I am taking specifically Heat Miser. Heat Miser, number one pick. Heat Miser. I thought that would be well, like a sleeper pick, but man, uh, yeah. the, the nostalgia strong to hear that song being played. How oh about my it? goodness. Yeah. Strong. Strong, All right. strong, strong. Sarah, you're up. Okay, I'm going to go with one of the only picks I actually feel good about, Ebenezer Scrooge. Scrooge. Yeah. This is not going the way that I thought it would no, go. No, it's, it's, it's kind of going the way I thought. Really? With my pick, I am going to take the Grinch oh, that's, who stole the, Christmas. The, that's the who I Grinch. thought would be the number one overall pick. See, I've got a hot take. You do? But he is not a villain. Really? He's the victim. Of what? Bullying his entire life. <laughs> Do you also believe that Johnny Lawrence was uh, the good guy in Karate Kid? I have never seen that movie. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Vince is collapsing. This hurt my existence. I'm so sorry. All right, with my first pick, um, I'm going to I'm going to movies, and I'm going to go with the Wet Bandits from Home Alone. Oh, okay. Harry and Harry, Marv. Yeah. Harry and Marv. I okay. That's what they were called. And I'm also going, I am not necessarily of the belief that this is a Christmas movie, oh, but I'm I using it to my are. advantage. I know yes, where you're you going. Hans Gruber. Yep. yippee ki mm. Mr. Cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, with my comeback pick, I am going to take from The Nightmare Before Christmas, Oogie Boogie. Boogie Boogie. I never saw that movie. You never saw that movie? No. Wow. Is it O-O-G-I-E? B-O-O-G-I-E. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's like the moon, right? No, he's that big green thing. He's that, uh, right? Yeah. Right. He's that big green monster. That big green thing. Who wants to kill Santa. Oh. What okay. for? <laughs> Sarah? Okay. I am going to uh, It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Mr. Potter. <laughs> Christmas, Mr. Potter! And a happy new year to you <laughs> in jail. Yes. Man, I thought that was going to slip through. Dang it. 
I'm all out of picks. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That's funny. All right, Lauren. All right, Lauren. You got two picks here, girl. All right. With my first of my two picks, yeah. I will go with Jack Frost, specifically from the Santa Claus 3. Shout out to Martin <laughs> Short's performance. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Uh, yeah, that is a classic in the yeah. Koval family house. Yeah, so that's good. That's, okay. that's my first. Um, my next one, slightly controversial. Ooh. I am going with Kevin McAllister from Home Alone as the villain of that movie. That is a hot take. That is a hot take. You guys are flipping stuff all around. Mm -hmm. The Grinch was the good guy. Kevin McAllister, the bad guy. I mean, the first time I saw that movie, I was rooting for the bad guys just because I find Kevin annoying. And that's the thing. (laughs) If Kevin was paying attention, the movie doesn't happen. (laughs) There we go. Man, there's some deep theories going on. That's a great great selection. Okay. I am taking mall parking lots. That's my next oh, Christmas Oh, I like that. <laughs> That's funny. That's pretty good, Sarah. Thank you. I told you I was all out of picks. You're all out of picks. Fresh out. Yeah. I've got one more good one that I feel great about. Do you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> my next pick, I'm going to take Buddy's father from Elf. Oh, yeah. good um, call. Good call. Good call. That is a good call. Yeah. James Conn's character. Yeah. Yes. I gotta pull something up from that movie right now. Yes, for maybe do. my next pick, uh, Buddy's dad. I'm going to go uh, with my next pick, Scott Farkas. Oh, that's a great one from A Christmas Story. Yeah, yeah. the red-haired bully. He yeah. was just—he just looked the part. Yes, didn't he? he did. <laughs> and I will also go to the movie Elf to Peter Dinklage's. Character. Oh, oh my God. Miles, Miles Finch. He oh, was so good that. In that was so good. He was just was nasty so in that movie. He's he an was, angry elf. Yeah, he was an angry elf, right. Oh, that was great. Yeah, that was really good. All right, Vic. Had he, was he famous before that? Yes. He yeah. was? Okay. I didn't know. But not, I mean, but not real famous. He was res- more respected as an actor than famous. Okay. Game of Thrones made him a household name. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. All right. With my last pick, Vinny, put me down for Tom Brady. <laughs> yes, Dan Bickley. What a thank pick. You, thank you. Thank you. What, what a, a finish. Pick. Wow. Okay. Sarah? Yep. I told you it was going to get lean here at the uh-huh. end. Okay. I'm going <laughs> I'm going back to my thought about the Grinch, that he is indeed a victim of bullying his entire life. And the person on the other end of that bullying was Mayor Mayhew. He terrorized him throughout school and into his adult life. And he was a liar. So I take Mayor Mayhew with my fourth How do you pick. spell Mayhew? Uh, M-A-Y-W-H-O. Yes. W-H-O. Yes. Mayhew. Okay. Right. From the Who's down in Whoville. Exactly. Right. Yes. Exactly. He's the one who made the Grinch shave knowing it was going to cut up his face. Oh, that's pretty evil. That was pretty mean. And he stole his wife. Lauren, you got the last pick. <laughs> All right. With the last pick, I am taking Krampus. That's a good oh. one. Oh. <laughs> I would say you did very well for your first. You did very uh, yeah, first go yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Christmas villains, the topic the draft is done. Lauren's got the heat miser. Jack Frost, Kevin McAllister, and Krampus. Sarah went with Scrooge. Mr. Potter. Uh, Mall parking lots and Mayor Mayhew. Dan went with uh, the Grinch, Oogie Boogie, Buddy's dad from the Elf, and Tom Brady. I've got the Wet Bandits, Hans Gruber, Scott Farkas, and Miles Finch. We'll put this up on Twitter. You determine the winner of this week's Mock My World at Bickley underscore Murata. Some final thoughts next. Here in Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Song of the day. Classic REO Speedwagon. This is the song you mentioned, right? 157 Riverside Avenue? Yeah. Wow, that's the same band? Yes. Different singer. Uh, correct? Is this the song? Yeah, it is. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. The live version is what I'm used to hearing. But oh, then, I had that one queued up. Yeah. And I, oh, yeah. My that's bad. okay. My bad. Yeah, no, cool. I'm glad you played that. I haven't heard that before ever. REO Speedwagon got huge when I was in my adolescence, so that's the, those are the songs I remember. This this came right. out the year I was born, 1986. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, I would give you a little taste of REO Speedwagon. Why are we playing REO Speedwagon? Because we had somebody, a listener, re- uh, request that we refer to Dario Sharic as Dario Speedwagon. Then a listener suggested that I should be Oreo Speedwagon, and I've ad- I've adapted oh, that to great. no. I got oh, a wait, better one. Oreo. I'm Oreo Speedwagon. Feed wagon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so good. There you go. There's today's song of the day. That could be Ferret's Nick Bickley and Murata going <laughs> off the grid. <laughs> Brought to you by Sweet James Accident Attorneys. If you've been hurt in an accident, call Sweet James at 800-500-5200 or sweetjames.com. All right, a little daily dose of Vinny Joe trivia for you since we've been talking about quarterbacks and health or lack thereof with the Cardinals right. uh, so much this season. Since the Cardinals moved to Arizona in 1988, there's only been six Cardinals quarterbacks who have navigated their way and started every game of a season. Some of them did it more than once, but only six different quarterbacks have ever done that. Started every game of an entire season? Yes. Wow. Can, can you name the six quarterbacks? Uh, Carson Palmer? Carson Palmer did it twice. Kyler Murray did it? Kyler Murray's done it twice. Kurt Warner? Kurt Warner did it once in the really? Super Bowl season, yeah. yes. Oh, okay. Jake Plummer? Jake Plummer did it three times. Wow, that's four for Dan Bickley. Bick just plucking them off one by one. Now, how many more we got? Two. Two more? I'll give you the years because these are the tough ones. Okay. 1990 and 1995. Uh, 90, Tom Tupa? No. It's a really tough one. I don't know it. He went. He, he took every snap of the 1990 season, got hurt, and was never the same and never really. Tim Rosenbaugh? Tim Rosenbaugh is the answer. And 95? No. Who's 95? That was the second year of, of Buddy Ryan. So a guy who was a journeyman, 
most known for his time with the Seattle Seahawks. Dave Craig. Dave Craig is correct. Wow. Wow. Dan Bickley, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Dan Bickley. Yeah. Um, a story that came out yesterday that I thought was fascinating on social media from J.J. Watt. Um, a guy by the name of Alex Kazora tweeted out, quickest to 75 sacks in NFL history. Number one, Reggie White. Number two, J.J. Watt. Number three, T.J. Watt. Watt brothers now hold two of the top three spots. J.J. Watt actually commented on that. He quote tweeted it and said, sandwich between my childhood idol and a child I ate cereal next to every day growing up. This is really cool and hard to comprehend. Well, somebody thought, you know, J.J. Watt, he, he's, he can't be telling the truth, right? Uh, called him out and they said, you were 10 years old. There is no way you idolized Reggie White at 10 years old. J.J. Watt actually had a picture of him from an old newspaper as a 10-year-old with a quote that said, who's your favorite football player? Reggie Watt. Re- Reggie White. He played really good Monday night. I want to be a football player. And said something like, tell me more about my own life. The Why guy are who, people so miserable? The guy who posted that, his Twitter account no longer exists. <laughs> Bye. J.J. Watt should have got Pro Bowl consideration for that. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye, Felicia. (laughs) Yes. How is it so hard to believe that a 10-year-old boy would idolize a football player? We just talked about it yesterday when Franco Harris passed away. I was eight years old and idolized Franco Harris. Yeah. That's like... People Very are, normal? People are miserable. They On that really note, are. we leave you for the holiday. Have a safe Bye. And, Bye. <laughs> have a safe See and Merry ya. Christmas and Christmas weekend. We'll be back on uh, Tuesday. Wolf and Luke are up next.